Jewish audio on Kaban.org. Rambam, we begin a new series of laws. Hilchais Maaser, the laws of tithing. Up to now, we've been learning the laws of Truma. The 2% that the Israelite gives, the Israelite farmer gives to the Kohen. From that, he gives 10%. I'm sorry. And then there's the 10% of the 10% that the Levi gives from his master. Today, we begin to learn the laws of this 10%. Pedekrishe. You know what? I have to move back a little bit. Hilchas Maser, the laws of Maser. Mitzvah Achas, it's one mitzvah. And that is to set aside the first tithe every year of the years of the crops and to give it to the Levites. The explanation of this mitzvah in this chapter. After we set aside the first truma, which is called the great Truma, we're done with that. We learned earlier the order is first Bikurim, first the first fruits, then Truma, then Meiser. So after the great Truma has been set aside, Mafrish, the farmer, sets aside Achas Measora, one tenth, Minanisha, from that which is left. And this is called Meiserishan, the first. Tithe. Why is it called the first tithe? Because we're going to learn later there's a second tithe which has nothing to do with the first tithe. Well, regarding this first tithe, it says, Kias Masa Israel. Because the tithe of the children of Israel, Asher Yarimul Hashem, which they will set aside, which they will give as a heave offering to Hashem, Begamer, etc. What happens to this Masa? What happens to this 10% of the crop? This master goes to the Levites. Which Levites? In the case of the Kohanim, the Truma went to the Kohen, to the male Kohen, and then he can share it with his household. Here, it goes to the male and female. For the children of Levi, I gave all of the tithings of Israel, that's his inheritance. Unlike the truma, which is holy food, only to be eaten by the Kohen. Tithe, the first tithe, is technically permitted to be eaten by even an Israelite. It's not holy food. And this Israelite may eat it even in a state of impurity. It has no sanctity. It's a tithe, but it's not sacred. I mean, the act of tithing is sacred, but the food is not sacred. And in fact, says the Rambam, anywhere you will find in the verses, the word holy or redemption in association with tithing, it's not this tithing. It's the second tithe which the farmer takes and brings to Jerusalem. That's holy. This is the Levite's support. That's how he makes a living. How do we know that this first tithe is in fact mundane, everyday food? As it says in the verse, your heave offering will be considered like Grain from the threshing floor, and 
the wine from the wine press, which means that God says to the lady, your miser is your field. Just as the Israelite farmer has a field and a wine press, you have miser. Just as the field and the granary and the wine press, is everyday mundane food for all purposes, so also the first tithe, which belongs to the lady. Once the obligation has been charged, discharged by the lady of giving the Kohen his 10% of the 10%, which is muy importante, which we'll learn about. But other than that, Chulin, the Choldover, it's everyday mundane food for all purposes. The daughter of a lady who was taken captive, or she had a forbidden, inappropriate relationship. It makes no difference. This is not Kohen food. You give her the tithe, she can eat it. No problem. There's no holy status to consuming miser. It's just something that is given to a levy, male or female. However, if a woman heard that her husband died, or a witness came and said, one witness came and said, I saw your husband die, and we learned earlier that the Torah was liberal and allowed even one witness to do that to enable her to remarry. Venisa said she remarried. And then one day her husband shows up and he says, Honey, I'm home. This is a problem. So our sages penalized her that she having been married to the Levite, is now forbidden in the miser. But ordinarily, no one is forbidden to eat miser. Gimel, Levim, even a Levite, B'kon, even a Kohen, Maflishin sets aside, Maiserishin, this first tithe. Why? Not because they have to give it to anybody. Because from the first tithe, there always has to be the truma, the 10% of the 10%. Kohanim can set aside the balance of all truma and miser for themselves. The Kohanim can take from everything. I could think that they should just eat it plain without setting anything aside. It's going to end up to them anyway. No. You must set aside. From the tradition we learned, the Levites must set aside Trumos and Maestres, Gamatam, Lerabasas, Hakonim, Bekonim, must set it aside, even if they end up giving it to themselves. Dalit, Eimetzina, Maestres, Miyad Hakonim. We don't force the Kohen to give Maestres, Shenema, Kisikho, Bies, Bnei Yisrael. The Israelite is forced to give. Chen, Kol, Matas, Kuno, all of the gifts of the priesthood. Eimetzina, 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 You don't say to the Kohen, you have to give your priestly gifts to another priest. No, he can keep it to himself, for himself. Now, there's an interesting teaching here, which the Rambam brings down at the end of paragraph 4. The Ezra, the great Ezra, who brought about the return to Israel in the second commonwealth, he penalized the Levites of his era. He said, no more miser to the Levites. They're bad people. Why are the Levites bad people in Ezra's eyes? 
Because when Ezra was trying to manifest, to bring about this return to Israel, so many of the Jews in Babylon says, I ain't going. I like it right here in Babylon. And it was a very difficult process. The Levites, who were leadership, were one of the groups who said, we're not going. The Kohanim went. The Levites said no. So Ezra penalized them no more. Meister. Instead, Ezra instituted should be given to the Kohen. Because the Levites did not ascend to Jerusalem with him. If somebody eats his produce where truma has not been set aside, who ate his maiser without setting aside the 10% of the 10% to the Kohen, even though there's a death penalty from heaven that could come about, as we learned earlier in the laws of Truma, there's no financial restitution which has to take place. As it says, which they will set aside as a heap offering, nothing will happen until they set it aside. That's in Israel. In the diaspora, however, the law is more liberal, where a person could eat first and set aside trumas or maestres later. We learned repeatedly in the laws of truma that trumash must preferably be set aside on location. Truma from here for here. Not truma from here for my granary a mile away. Not truma from this house for my produce in the other house. Meiser, not so. In the Meiser application, it can be done from one place for another place. The explanation is that they need not be given grouped together. There's a more liberal application in Meiser. But what we should not do is go from one species to the other. You shouldn't use grain, you shouldn't give meiser from grain for barley, from barley for grain, for to, from tofu for sushi, from sushi for tofu. I'm kidding. Not from a kind of meiser that is obligated to one that's exempt. Not from something that's exempt, for something that's obligated. Easter, if he did this, or it's not considered the rule of thumb is that all the laws that we said regarding that you don't do from this species for another the same application is from you don't take from one for the other and anything that we said with regard to the laws of if he did Anyway, truma say truma his truma is truma kach b'maiser the same law would apply with maiser im hiprish masreis of masreis if he did it his maiser is maiser choshu potem na truma anything that's exempt from truma potem na maiser exempt is exempt from maiser choatayim maaser and anyone who have to separate truma can separate tithes 
Kel shamarnu b'hem lo yitremu. Anyone who we said should not separate truma, im tarmu truma sun truma. And if they did, it's truma. Kachim isru. If they gave meiser, masreis and masreis. The masreis say in meisers, their meiser is meiser. Chol she ain't truma sun truma. Any case where we say if he did it, it's truma, it's not truma. Kach ein masreis and meiser. So the law, the laws mirror each other exactly. Ches eight to oimer lechaved. If somebody says to his friend, Hareini maaser al yodech, I will tie through you. Which means I think you will do the tithing for me because I will tithe for you through you. He doesn't have to stay there and watch him do it. He gave him agency. He appointed him. But if he says to his friend, "Let me do the tithe for you," here he initiated it. Then the other guy has to stand there. The obligation to tithe, carob, is only rabbinic. Because most people don't eat carob. Bitter almonds, being God, large or small, are exempt, because they're not food. A tree planted in a house, is exempt from tithing. As it says, You must surely tithe all of the produce of your fields, which comes forth from your field. This is in the house or in the porch. The Florida room, as they used to call it here. When we first got this Chabad house, it had a Florida room where things grew, and then we converted into the shul. Took out the Florida and brought in the Torah. It appears to me, says that that a tree who, which grows in the house or in the yard is obligated by rabbinic law because a fig tree that stands in a courtyard he must tithe its produce provided that he didn't pick it one by one, but he did a picking. What if onions stored in a house grew roots next to one another? Sometimes you store a vegetable like onions and it starts creating roots and growing onions and all kinds of stuff going on, all in your pantry. Even if it grew roots in the earth of a loft, none of this is called growing. However, if something fell upon them, if a landslide came down and covered them, and now they're uncovered, now they are like considered planted in a field because of the condition. If somebody is guarding his field. Remember we said that produce has to be guarded produce. What if somebody is guarding his field because... There are grapes still growing in the vineyard. And somebody else comes and collects the figs that remain in that field. There were some remaining figs. So somebody's guarding his field because of zucchini and squash. And somebody else came and collected the leftover grapes scattered in the field. So the question is, is this considered harvesting? Because this field is not being watched for the leftover produce. It's being watched for the other produce. And there's different seasons. 
If the owner of the field cares about it, then it's considered stolen. Therefore, because it's considered stolen, the obligation of tithing and truma kicks in. But if the owner wouldn't care, that means it's permissible. There's no law of stealing. In that case, it's exempt from Meisner as well. The best produce should be given as tithe. As it says, when you take the choice, the fatty, the best. This should be considered for the levy, like the produce of his granary and the produce of his wine press. Just as the 10% that the levy has to give the Kohen has to be the best, so also the 10% that the Israelite has to set aside from his granary or his wine press or his oils, Menachel Shabbat has to be the best. B'chaim, b'chaim, I'm going to have a sip of water here. Abyssalufjak. Yudalid. Now remember, please, we learned earlier that there is no set amount to Truma. Truma, even a little bit, fulfills Torah obligation. Our sages set an amount. They said, if you're tight, if you don't want to spend, you can give one sixtieth. If you want to be average, you can give one fiftieth, which is two percent. You want to be generous, you can give one fortieth. But you should not measure, you should not count, you should not weigh, you should guesstimate. That's what we learn. The laws of Meiser are the opposite. There is a fixed amount with Meiser. It's called 10%. Therefore, don't guesstimate. Weigh, count, measure. That's what we're going to say now. You should not separate by estimation or by guesstimation. But instead, one should do it by measuring, weighing, or counting. And the more precise one is, the better it is. What if somebody does more than 10%? That's not good. Then he ruins the whole system. The Meister has to be 10% leaving the 90%. Because in the Meister there's always Tevel. Why is that Tevel? Tevel is the Hebrew word we use for food from which Truma has not been separated. The Levi has to separate Truma. So when you mix the numbers up, you create a problem. But his produce has been made fit, but it's not a good thing to do. What if somebody sets aside part of the miser? He has to give 10%. He sets aside, to begin with, 3%. Ain't a miser, that's not called miser. It's like somebody divided the grain heap. And he has to separate the tithing from it. So if he has a hundred saw, he's supposed to, from a hundred saw, give how much miser? Ten. He gave five. And a miser is not called miser. He can't go somewhere else and give five. He takes half a saw, which is its miser. When somebody sets aside miser, he makes a bracha. Why? It's a mitzvah.
Kederach Shemavorachim, Al HaMitzvah, like you make a bracha for any mitzvah. You also make a bracha for the second tithe, which we will learn about. Only for the poor man's tithe, which we will learn about. And the miser, from the miser. The 10% that the Levite sets aside from the 10%. All these things require a bracha. You know, Baruch, Asher, Kiddushon. Everyone deserves a bracha. What if he went one? After the other, chick chak, he didn't talk between them. Kalim achas, he can lump them all into one bracha. to set aside truma and maisus. Otherwise, they all need their individual bracha. End of chapter one.